You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-S. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. The NFL draft starts tonight. You might even be listening to this with the draft on. Might even be on mute because once the draft kicks off, it's going to be a while because the Packers pick at 30. I don't think that's going to change much. They're not going to move up to 6 magically and and give us all a little bit of a break by making that pick sooner than it seems like they're going to and we're going to discuss those scenarios here as we look at what Green Bay could be doing with the 30th pick in the draft we will then finish with our mock draft Uh, I will tell you that the player the Packers pick in our mock is not the same as the player I think they're going to pick. It just so happens that the board fell that way. And I just thought the the exercise is still interesting because I do want to talk a little bit about that player for the Packers because there is a scenario on here. And I don't want to spoil it, but there is a scenario in one of the scenarios we're going to discuss that ends up being... The, the player that I think the Packers would have picked had the board fell the way that it does in our specific mock draft. Now, I have my own mock, my predictive mock for Acme Packing Company. Yes, I do a lot of mock drafts. Uh, it is a little soul-crushing because you pour a lot of work into it. You write thousands of words, and you know I, I handed it into my editor last night. I say handed like this is 1984 newspapers. I submitted it, and... It's going to be obsolete in less than 24 hours because the draft is going to happen and it's not going to matter anymore unless I nail it. Unless I just rain man it, nail it, uh, no one's going to care. So part of this is fun. I think it, it projects the range that these guys could go in and gives us an idea of who is likely to be available when the Packers pick at 30. So let's get into some of these scenarios. The most likely scenario for the Packers, to me, is that they sit at 30 and pick. I think there are enough players, especially at the top of the draft, offensive tackles, cornerbacks, quarterbacks, guys that will push these other players down the board that Green Bay can sit at 30 and get someone they really like. Now, in for Packer Report and for Acme Packing Company, that guy was Brandon Ayuk. And I I don't know that it's going to be Ayuk for sure, obviously. No one does. Anyone that tells you they know for sure whose name is not Brian Gutekunst is lying to you. 
And I'm, I can say with pretty good confidence, it will not be a linebacker and it will not be an interior defender. I just do not see it. It goes against everything the Packers believe or seem to believe philosophically when it comes to athletes, when it comes to Mike Patton's view of a defense and what matters. I just don't see it. It doesn't jibe with anything we've seen from Brian Gutekinds and Mike Patton over the last few seasons they've been together. That leaves guys like Denzel Mims, Jalen Rager, Michael Pittman, and Brandon Ayuk. Those are the guys that I think are going to be there, and I think Mims is going to be gone. I think Mims will have gone. And the offensive tackles that they could like, guys like Josh Jones, Ezra Cleveland, I also think will be off the board. So... There, there is going to be a group of guys there that they like. Now, if there's a cluster of players, if there's four or five, in, in the scenario for APC, Rager was still on the board, Ayuk was still on the board, Pittman Jr. was still on the board, LaVisca Chenault was still on the board, K.J. Hamler was still on the board, even if I don't think Hamler is going to be in the Packers' plans, and T. Higgins was still on the board. So if you're the Packers... You may think, well, there's not a big difference between these guys. Statistically speaking, there is not a difference, a great difference between one pick and the next, receiver six and receiver seven. Historically speaking, the difference in those players is more or less a coin flip. So unless you have pretty significant grades, this is why we talk about tiers. This is why horizontal draft boards are useful. Because if you've got a group of players, it's actually not worth it to take one of them because you're probably going to be no better than 50-50 versus the next guy who's picked. So it's the difference between Devontae Adams and Cody Latimer. The Packers could have just as easily taken Latimer. And if you have a bunch of guys there, you can move back a couple of picks, assuming you can do that, and still grab one of those guys in that tier. To me, Rager is outside of that tier. I would have taken Rager, but he does not fit as cleanly in the Packers version of what a receiver and a first-round pick looks like. So Ayuk does. He's He hits that relative athlete score. He hits the height. He's an explosive player, and I think he would be a great pick. Now, I, I, I joked in the mock that I did for Acme Packing Company that I wanted to take Rager just because he's not the trendy name. In some ways, I'd really like to do that. It's also a little bit of back padding because he was the first name I brought up in relation to the Packers. But I do think it's going to be a receiver because I think the offensive linemen are going to be gone. There isn't value at interior defensive linemen and the linebackers are going to be gone. That just leaves one of two positions, receiver or cornerback. Cornerback is the dark horse pick at 30. And in in the, the piece that I wrote for Packer Report, I had Trevon Diggs. I think it would not only be a great troll of Stefan Diggs to take his brother, but I think it makes a ton of sense for the Green Bay Packers because he is another playmaker. You allow Jair Alexander to slide inside in the slot more often. He can basically be what Demarius Randall was, different player, obviously. But what that allowed them the Packers to do at the time was Casey Hayward to play more in the slot. And Jair Alexander is an ideal slot corner. Now, he can play outside, 
So in base, maybe you have King and Jair on the field, but then if you go three defensive backs, three cornerbacks, you bring in Diggs and you can slide Jair into the slot, especially if you're playing a team that wants to move its best receiver into the slot. And it doesn't have to be Diggs. It could be Christian Fulton from LSU. It could be the kid from Auburn. There are some excellent choices at 30. Those are the two positions that, to me, are going to make the most sense given who is likely to be available at the time. Now, I think that's at 30, right? I think there is a pretty decent chance, not a better chance than not. I I, I think there is, I said in the article, about a 20% chance. I think a trade-up is about 20%. If Green Bay can get to 20, we think the Eagles want a receiver. We think New England could be in the market for a receiver. The Saints are said to be in the market for a receiver. And the Ravens are said to be in the market for a receiver. There are a lot of teams ahead of Green Bay. If you can give up 30 and 94 to get to 20, that's about the value that Green Bay gave up to get to 21 last year. And I think that if you have to go 30, 94, and then a fifth, when you have multiple sixths, if you really want to move up into the fifth, you can do that. Anything past the fourth round, you're talking about lottery tickets. So I'm happy to throw that in there if that's what the Jaguars need at 20 to bypass the Eagles and these other teams. If you can get up there and get Justin Jefferson or you can get Jerry Judy, then you do that. Now, I think those guys are going to fall, are going to go early. I think Ruggs, Lamb, Judy, for sure, are going to go early. And Jefferson could also be in, in that teen space. But this goes back to my earlier point about pushing players down. It's going to be hard for all the receivers to go before 20 when you also have to get Herbert. Tua, Burrow, maybe Love. You've got to get Werfs, Becton, Wills, Thomas, potentially Cleveland in there. You've got to get Okuda. C.J. Henderson is expected to go up there. You've got Murray. You've got Queen who could go in the top 20. I mean, there's a lot of players. I mean, I always joke about this, that we talk about this like there's 50 guys going in the first round. Only the number of picks can match the number of players. So only 19 guys can be drafted before 20. And if all of these offensive tackles are going to go, if these other three receivers are going to go, if the quarterbacks are going to go, the cornerbacks are going to go, well, then all of a sudden, you know, you're at 14 or 15 guys without breaking a sweat. So if if you, the question is, can Justin Jefferson fall from 17 to 20? Yeah, yeah, without a problem, especially if, you know, the Raiders get a receiver early. Isaiah Simmons has to go. I mean, it would not be crazy for the Packers to be, and to give up a third is nothing. 94 is a borderline top 100 pick. It almost doesn't matter. You know, the Packers picking in the third last year had the 75th pick. So they get to keep that first pick, they get to keep 62. You hope a top 50 player falls. And then you hope that you've identified two top players in the draft. That you get your Justin Jefferson because, and this is this is important. Okay, the difference between one receiver and another is small. I was just having this discussion with a guy that works at 538 last night on Twitter. The difference between 
wide receiver six and wide receiver seven is small. But if you think Justin Jefferson, as I think Justin Jefferson, is wide receiver two or wide receiver three, and that by the time you pick, you're going to be staring at wide receiver eight, then it could be worth it to move up. And it's not that, oh, everyone is thinking the wrong thing. No, you're assuming everyone else likes your guy. You're not overconfident in your ability to evaluate what you think is that this guy is going to go. Everyone else thinks this guy is good. So let's go up and get him. And and that makes sense to me. Now, again, if you think the draft is going to play out the way that I think the draft is going to play out, you don't have to do that. It is only if you think a bunch of those guys are going to go and you're going to be stuck with a significantly inferior player to the guy that you can go up and get at 20. I think Justin Jefferson is one of the 15 best players in this draft. I think Brandon Ayuk is more like the 32nd best player in this draft, 30th best player in this draft, something like that. He's a borderline first, whereas Justin Jefferson is a bona fide top 15 player. That's a pretty big difference. But once Jefferson goes off the board, it's, a, it's kind of just a bunch of similarly graded players. So if Jefferson goes off the board at 18, then I think you just stick. You just stick and pick because it's, it's a bunch of similarly graded guys. And that makes sense to me. That's why Ayuk is the pick because Jefferson comes off the board early. You can't get to him really. And so, okay, now it's one of these five guys. One of them is going to be there, and you should feel comfortable sitting there and, and getting that guy because you believe he can make an impact on your team. And if you want to make an impact for a team, there's no better place to do that than the U.S. Army. Whether your goal is to fight and cure diseases, develop technologies, or seek adventures across the globe, the Army is where all of that can happen and so much more. The Army is a team of millions of individuals working together to take on the most complex problems in the nation and the world and to win. Ask yourself, what's your warrior? And text ALPL to 462769. That's ALPL to 462769. All right, so we left off here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They take Jordan Love. So we still have the linebackers on the board from our mock draft. We still have some receivers on the board that Green Bay could be in a position to take So how does the board fall? At 21, I do not have the Eagles taking a receiver. I have them taking Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma. It is a position of need. It is a position where the difference between Murray and anyone they're going to put out on the field is huge. And to me, the difference in a rookie receiver versus, you know, you look at Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, who may or may not be on the team. They used a high pick on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside plus Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. So if you already have those pass catchers, plus you like Miles Saunders and his ability to create in the passing game, I think the case here is a linebacker makes your team more improved than a receiver would. And the receiver board right here is a little wonky. You know, Rager went 15 to Denver. T. Higgins goes 18 to Miami. So now you're looking at, you know, borderline first type players. And I just don't think that the value is there for Philly to pull the trigger. If if there were one of those top guys there, I would do it. But here the linebacker works at 22. 
the Minnesota Vikings go Michael Pittman Jr. Now, remember, this is who I would pick. I think they will pick Denzel Mims. I think that's their guy. But if it were me, I like Michael Pittman Jr. better, and he's a different type. There's there's a lot of crossover between Mims and Thielen, and certainly the best version of Mims I think looks a lot like Adam Thielen, to be honest. And Mims has more athletic potential, but the the complementary skill sets, Michael Pittman's ability to win with size, to win with his frame and and the combination of that frame with his size is really outstanding. And, and I like the fit there for Minnesota. Now at 23, I really think this is going to happen. A.J. Epinesa for New England, it just makes too much sense. There's, there's just so much overlap between what Epinesa is good at, the ability to rush inside and outside, the guy who can play 4-3 defensive end, who can reduce down inside and rush on the interior. He can hold up on the edge. He is he's Trey Flowers. He's not as athletic, but I think in terms of his skill set, he's exactly what, what Bill Belichick is looking for. And if they're not going to take a quarterback, Jordan Love is off the ball. They need receiver and they need edge help. Well, not a receiver that I think fits what they are looking for here. So you go at Vanessa and and that's a guy who's going to be a Pro Bowl player for Bill Belichick. That's just, it is what it is. The Saints in this version of the mock get that receiver. They get Green Bay's receiver, in fact, Brandon Ayuk. And the idea of Ayuk getting the ball out quick to him on that fast track in New Orleans and his ability to get down the field to open up opportunities for Michael Thomas in the middle of the field it's downright scary, and if you're a Packer fan, you're really going to hope that this does not happen because it would be scary. Any of these guys, Jalen Rager goes there. Uh, I think that would be pretty scary for the Packers and anyone in the NFC who feels like they have to go through New Orleans to, to get to the Super Bowl. Now, I, I do think you can make the case for a corner here, especially for the Saints who have, you know, they sign Emmanuel Sanders, they have Michael Thomas. But I liked the value with Ayuk here, and, and so I went with it. At 25, Minnesota. Now, I did this because it's an exercise and I can. In real life, if I were Minnesota, I would, I would target this player but later. It's Kayvon Wallace from Clemson. I think he can play safety for them. I think he can be that Anthony Harris type where you can play him a little bit of everywhere. If you have Wallace and you have Harrison Smith on the same team, where are they going to line up? They could be anywhere. They could be everywhere. They can play the slot. They can blitz. They can cover tight ends. They can play deep. They can play in the box. I mean, it would make them so multiple. Now, it doesn't solve their boundary corner problem, but you can get one of those a little bit later. In uh, the predictive mock that I did, I believe I had Minnesota taking Christian Fulton. Not a bad pick here. I just wanted to give Kayvon Wallace some love, so I had him go there. Here we go, 26 Miami, Caleb on Now he is falling in this mock. I think he's going to fall a little bit further than a lot of people think in the real draft. Not, not a ways. Cause I think Atlanta is going to trade up and I think they're going to trade up for a cornerback and they're the spot. Everyone is putting chase on in Atlanta at 16. And if they move up for a cornerback, suddenly there are some different opportunities for them and you don't have to, and the board falls differently. 
you know, maybe Dallas takes him at 17, but in my mock, there was a corner for Dallas to take at 17. So, you know, I, I think they're, they're in all likelihood, Chase Sun will go sooner, but I also don't love him as a prospect. I think there's some inconsistencies there. I think he has to get better in a lot of different areas. It's a lot of projection. So if you're if you're Miami, your your time frame is, you know, five years from now. So you can give him an opportunity to develop. You're not expecting him to be Cam Wake from the jump. At 27, this is not going to happen in real life, but I love the fit. Makai Becton, the offensive tackle from Louisville, I'm not as high on him as, as I think the NFL will be. He's a perfect fit in Seattle for what they want to do, running the ball, be a power team, go play action with Russell Wilson, and just dominate people up front. You got Chris Carson. You got Rashad Penny. It's it's a match made in heaven. I'm not sure there's a better fit outside of maybe Dave Gettleman at four, and I don't think he's going to do it there uh, in the NFL for Becton than in Seattle. So this this would be great, and and it really turned out nicely for him and for the Seahawks in this scenario. At 28, oof, my guy Pat is going to be mad at me for this, but at 28, the Baltimore Ravens, Henry Ruggs the third at Alabama. Now I know that. I am outside the norm with who I think Henry Ruggs can be. I think there are a lot more red flags than the mainstream opinion on Ruggs. And historically speaking, I'm I'm more likely to be wrong than they are in terms of just probabilities and, and big boards, etc. But historically speaking, his statistical profile, I'm more likely to be right. There are some major red flags for him. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus had a great stat about the number of deep catches that he had at Alabama. For a guy who's supposed to be a deep threat, he had a shockingly small number of deep targets. It's just not how they used him. They used Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy deep rather than the guy who runs 4-2-2. Why is that? Not saying he can't do it. It's just interesting to point out. If he's T.Y. Hilton, that, that, is, that has to be how he's used. How are you going to be a deep threat who doesn't go deep? Tyreek Hill goes deep. Now, absence of proof is not proof of absence, but it adds to the risk profile. And that is something that I think has to be taken into account with Ruggs. It's why he falls. Imagine an offense where you can go play action with Lamar Jackson and you've got Hollywood Brown and Henry Ruggs running down the field. Good damn luck. At 29, love this pick. I love this pick. Jonathan Taylor. The running back from Wisconsin to the Titans. Yeah, they have Derrick Henry, but they don't want to pay him. You don't change your offense at all. Not one iota. And now you have Derrick Henry 2.0. Jonathan Taylor's not as big and physical as Henry, but he's got that downhill speed. He's got the explosiveness. He can take over football games. Look, do I love it in the first round in a vacuum? No. Were there other players that I felt really good about there? No. At the end of the first, I, I, it's fine. I'm fine with it. I think he's like the 36th best player in this draft or something like that. But I didn't love the options for for Tennessee at this point. So why not get a running back who can hit home runs every time he touches the ball? That's Jonathan Taylor. So this sets up Green Bay. The receivers are off the board. Unless you're going to take LaVisca Chenault. And look, there are going to be people who say you should take LaVisca Chenault. I'm not one of those people. So I took Christian Fulton, the cornerback from LSU. In the scenario we discussed earlier, it was Trevon Diggs. I think Diggs and Fulton 
are very much in play for Green Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if they took a corner at 30. I still think it's going to be a receiver, but in this scenario, there were no receivers worth taking. The reason I I wanted to go through this, even though it's a different player than Green Bay is ultimately going to pick, in my opinion, this is still a scenario that is possible. It's in play. You know, if I say it's a 20% chance of rain tomorrow and it rains, I get to say, oh, there was 20% chance. If it's a 20% chance of rain and it's sunny, you say, hey, what the hell? I said, well, it was 20%. It's a small chance, but it's still a chance. Listen to this stat on Christian Fulton. Against T. Higgins, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs in primary coverage, Christian Fulton allowed three catches for 39 yards. Three catches for 39 yards. Christian Fulton can play man coverage. Put him on Adam Thielen. Put him on Michael Thomas. Now, is he going to get burned as a rookie? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you trust him in man coverage. He's not Darrell Rivas. He's not going to lock guys down. He's reliable. He's consistent. He's experienced. He's played in big games on big stages against really good players and held his own. Do we need to finish? Do you care past 30? (laughs) I have Xavier McKinney for the 49ers and Patrick Queen to the Chiefs. Is it going to be annoying that I picked the wrong LSU defender to a lot of fans? Yeah, it is. I don't think Green Bay will take a linebacker. I don't think Patrick Queen is going to be available for them to take. And I wouldn't take Patrick Queen at 30 if Christian Fulton is still on the board because I think Fulton's a better player. I think he's a better prospect. I think he's a more impactful player to just about any team than Patrick Queen would be because he's a cornerback and the Packers could use one. I hope that I have provided a a good enough case that the Packers are going to take a cornerback for when they do, or if they do, you will not go, wait, what the hell? No, you will know because we talked about it on this show. All right, the show tomorrow, Friday, will be off our Periscope show, which will be live after the draft. So as soon as the draft is over, as soon as the 32nd pick is made, We will go live on Periscope. You can follow me on Periscope at Peter underscore Bukowski. We're going to do a live show, instant reaction, take some of your questions, and do the damn thing. We're going to do the same thing on Friday. Instant reaction show as soon as that last pick is made in the third round. We will go live on Periscope. That will be an exclusive to Periscope. There will be no podcast off of that Friday show. We'll be back Monday to break down the whole draft in its own podcast. So in the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe. If this is your first time listening, welcome in. Subscribe to our show. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers because we are the number one Packers podcast on the internet. One of the biggest team-centric NFL podcasts on the internet one of the biggest nfl shows full stop on the internet thanks to you guys you're the best and anytime i know you're gonna have a lot of questions you're gonna have a lot of comments i want to hear all of it react to the dumb moves the good moves all of it in the draft hit me up on the locked on packers fan hotline 920-341-3775 enjoy the draft let's have some fun and always stay Locked on Packers.